That Force Radio. That Force Radio is rated M for mature. Or should that be immature? Hey guys, Dustin Wynn. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Paul Dini. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. Listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Tom King. I write Batman Bitch. And this is Bat Force Radio. I was fully prepared to quit my job for this. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we uh, get started, I just wanted to tell you one more time, thank you for everything in Toronto. You were uh, ridiculously gracious. Oh man, no, thank thank you. That that was you were super. You were super helpful as well. It was pretty amazing. The velocity with which you came back with that. all right welcome everyone to bat force radio the batman slash dc podcast with no limits and we got an amazing episode for you today we got the breakfast club in here today as well this is the earliest we've done it in a long time let me bring us in i got a legends of lego batman over in california when the sun's still rising oh cheers got robin cross up in canada where the maple syrup is nice and thick for the autumn season (laughs) don't you forget about me and i got trunkler over in chicago aka chirac dodging those missiles all right so this is uh we're gonna be dropping a double episode of the stack this week for our reviews of the dc books coming out for wednesday september 19th uh so this first part here uh we're gonna do a little special thing uh for several months now we've been waiting for dc's black label to uh to get up and running so dc's new label where basically it looks like anything goes uh there are a lot of uh projects that have been announced and rumored for it so far we're gonna see uh Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo do their final Batman story, Last Night on Earth. Uh, Jeff Johns and Jason Fabek doing the Three Jokers story. Frank Miller doing Superman Year One. And we finally kick off Black Label this week, and it comes out blazing. Uh, the first issue of a three-issue series from Brian Azzarello and Lieber Mayo. Batman Damned is out this week, and we are joined by Lieber Mayo. Yes. Very much for having me back again. Appreciate um, it. Privilege and honor. Thanks for coming back, Lee. Um, you know how we usually start out. We just want to ask, um, how's life? How's everything going over there? It's going good. It's going. It's going very good. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, with everything kind of kicking off and then uh, traveling at conventions and stuff like that, it's, it's it's a little it's a little nuts, but um, but good. I cannot complain. Are you excited? This is like you know like uh, the opening gallery, isn't it? You know, all that hard work at that table for so long and uh, it, it's hitting. It's, it has to be somewhat exciting, right? Oh, to- totally. It's also it's also the kind of thing where um, since this is the first book of this new imprint, I kind of feel like, uh, I don't know, pressure's on because um, to be first out of the gate is kind of uh, is kind of daunting. Yeah. So, you, you know, you, you hope it goes you hope it goes well. And, and uh, I mean, more than more than anything else, it's just it's just nice that people can finally start to see it and react to it and that that's that's always nice well we we get the early uh press copies from dc before the hit um in our box app and the whole uh the whole forest read it and uh the, the consensus across the board i would say is like wow just wow i i could i could have read that book over and over again in one sitting i just want to give my initial reaction to this so far for the book one is that you know azrael is doing the scripts but I feel like this is your story because the visual storytelling in this book is what just throws you right into this Gotham. Your artistic labor for this book is is evident in this from what we've seen so far. Yeah, it, this looks like an amazing ride that everyone's excited to be on. So that was my initial reaction for it. So I just want to say, man, c- congratulations, man. Uh, I really, I really appreciate that. I think, I think, um, I think two things there. It's like one, I, I colored this myself too, so I think that adds. I don't know. I don't know if it makes it better or worse than any than anything I've done, but it's it, it certainly adds like another uh, dimension for me to the to the artistic process, but. This is also the first book Brian and I have done Marvel style, which is amazing. I love working this way, which is um, like the Marvel method. Is that what it's called? Or uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Brian, basically, the story that Brian came up with is pretty. I mean, mm-hmm. it's 
It's pretty amazing. I mean, we we hashed this thing out a while back, and it's kind of gone through a few uh, a few transformations. Nothing too drastic, but um, it just continues to kind of get more mythic. Like, and and, and that's and, and that's been that's been really amazing. But like the yeah the the actual process of drawing this has been different, just because I, I've been able to kind of um, take the reins a bit more in terms of the actual storytelling and and. Uh, and I guess more more than the storytelling, the pacing of the book is is more is more me. But um, it's very. This is the most collaborative we've ever we've ever been. Digital inking, right? I mean, uh, coloring. I'm guessing, right? Yeah, coloring. Yeah, yeah, digital coloring. Yeah, is this, that's great because um, I was looking at little things like uh, I guess smoke and fog and um, the transition when dead man is you know transparent translucent that's some good shit <laughs> that was really well done it, it just those touches or even when it looks like his vision is a little out of focus when he's looking at something i guess when he was hurt in the beginning it's like these little yeah. these yeah. things here yeah. and there that you apply the coloring and, and the work is just uh, I, don't, I hate to use the word cinematic but it just there's so much motion in it that you know in detail and, and sense of realism too that uh the hard hard work pays off and we could tell you busted your ass on this so yeah man that's awesome further to what you said about uh, the visual storytelling uh anyone who got to have a look at the advance the proof copy mm. that came out to uh, to comic shops really uh fits in with what you said about the visual storytelling uh, you can flip through that thing it has not a line of text in it and you can completely follow everything that's happening you, you can uh, imagine all the dialogue yourself uh to an extent uh my initial reaction lee was i, di- I didn't get a chance to uh see the actual uncorrected proof copy but right. in our our box app where we get the uh, the digital form, I'm allowed to save all the images. And I, when I save it to my camera roll, it saves it without the words. So the first thing I did was save every single page um, <laughs> because I wanted to see it just hmm. the art by itself without the words. So I saved every page and I looked at all the pages. And then I was actually telling the guys earlier before you came on, like, does Lee color his own stuff? Because this is this is probably visually the best Batman book I've ever seen. Mm, um, yeah. And so after looking through all the all the artwork without the words, I went in. I went and then I read the story, and um, I I didn't think it would get any better after seeing the artwork. But between you and Azarello, I mean, this is this is shaping up to be one of the best stories probably ever. Like when when Batman lands out of the ambulance, and then you see he's looking up at the cityscape of the buildings. That took mm-hmm. so you reached that level of detail again, where when you f- did the first couple of pages of uh, Noel and they show like Gotham during the Christmas time, and it had that, it ha- I don't know, had that that saturated punchiness. It was gorgeous, and I remembered I I think you painted the first couple of them, and then you said like yeah. it's just gonna take forever doing this. And then you had your uh, friend Italian friend color the rest, but she uh, colored those pages for sure. She colored she colored everything in that in that book. I painted it in black and white and then I I was painting it uh in in kind of like blue, but it was pretty monochromatic blues and then you know the like the neon Christmas lights and neon signs were red and so I was painting those red. Um and and yeah, but yeah, I mean the like all the sky kind of coloring and everything like that, that's all Barbara and, mm. and, uh, oh, and uh, she did an amazing job. Did you did you pick her brain a little in terms of the way you wanted to go in, into coloring, or was it just like a learning experience for you? What no, you I mean I've been coloring my my own covers since I mean since Hellblazer, since I started doing the Hellblazer covers. So right. I mean since then I've I've colored every single cover I've done. No, I take that back. I didn't color the stand. Marvel Marvel wouldn't let me cover color my own my wow. own cover. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, but every every single other uh, cover I've done, I've I've colored it. So it was it was more just um, I, I actually didn't go into the book intending to, to color it myself, mm. but at a certain point, it just became necessary because I couldn't do a lot of the effects that I wanted to do. I don't know. You, you just can't. Um, you're gonna break a colorist if you if <laughs> you know. <laughs> Like you're, you're gonna just be so overbearing with them with that stuff that I I just felt like it wasn't even yeah. it wasn't cool for me to give it to a colorist because I would have just been on top of every page and since so much of this book is is uh, point of view based like you're gonna see a lot of that in the second issue too like um, 
Batman's point of view. So things get blurry, things get like, um, um, without spoiling anything for issue two, there's, there's a scene with a lot of fire. And mm-hmm. so a lot of that kind of distortion, flame distortion and, and stuff like that, that was really important that I kind of be able to control that. Um, and you, you have to do that uh, as a, you know, that's part of the last, uh, steps of getting the page done. So I just, I just felt like, you know, I, I can't, I can't, um, I can't do some poor colorist. I just better do it. <laughs> I mean, my initial reaction by looking at this Lee was, I mean, from the get go, I, I, you and Azrael left me speechless. I mean, the, the art and the attention to detail, like we've already been talking about is just truly breathtaking. I mean, even from when it was, when Batman's falling, he lands in the river and when he, you know, all the air bubbles and when he pops up to get that grasp of air, I mean, all the little water droplets, all the way from that to the bad suit, um, even when he's running in the alleyway and you put all the little crinkly lines in the garbage bags and everything. I mean, <laughs> holy crap. <laughs> there, there's, there's a lot of, I, um, I like the push, pull, the push pull between uh, light and darkness. I like the, I like the way you're playing with that as well yeah. in this visually. It's cool um, how he's incorporating a lot of the Justice League dark members as well. I don't well, I, I gotta I also gotta say for Brian here that like I don't think people are prepared for where this. Started. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I think that oh, I, yeah. like when Brian um, I remember when when Brian figured out the last book I was I was like wow I I I, I don't know if I I mean, uh, when he told me what was going to happen, I said, I don't know if I need to do Batman again after this. Like, I, I felt like that wow. was kind of, I felt like it was kind of um, not, I mean, I hesitate to say final word because you're hearing a lot of that lately. This is our final word on that, you know, <laughs> and then there's like, who knows how many other Batman stories. I mean, I'm, sh- I'm sure I'll do Batman again after after this. But in that moment, when he told me, the ending of the story, I just thought, wow, this is, um, this is just like, it's, it's, um, I feel like with Black Label, there's, there's kind of this opportunity to do stuff you almost can never, ever do in continuity or monthly comics. And I'm not talking about content, uh, you know, I'm not talking about violence or language or a- and anything like that. I'm talking about the actual turns of the story, because when you can do stuff, um, that normally someone would just say, no, what, where do we go after this? Like, we can't leave readers, you know, like, where, where does the next writer take over from here? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you can't, you can't, um, you can't do stuff, certain, certain things in in continuity and and for this kind of soap opera nature of it. And like, I, I think that the, um, the nice thing about all these kind of black label books is that hopefully that's what they will provide is that they will get to do things that um, even story wise that you can't really do in, in the monthly books. So um, I, I'm just very, very excited and just a little worried to see, to see what people <laughs> to see what people think about the, uh, the way this, this whole thing comes together. Well, I, I think black label is the future. This, the whole idea of, um, personal um <clears throat> continuities and everything like that well, well this is going to turn into the libra mero azarello verse isn't it like because that's what they're kind of doing like you know you, um with black label you have these uh you know just separate continuities all um living under one label so you know yeah. this, I, I would bet that dc is going to want this to expand as well because it's that level of storytelling and visual storytelling is going to be and i could see people being really receptive <laughs> to this kind of stuff Jerry's still out there. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how we'll see how it goes. I mean, I'm I'm expecting a lot of kind of both both ends. It's the nature when you kind of push the the story and um in in different ways and you know what I mean. Like Brian and I have always done really grounded, realistic kind of personal perspective stuff. Like even Joker was, you know, it was from the perspective of this of this thug and not. Um, we played down a lot of the kind of mythic grand grandiosity of these characters and in this book we just decided like look we've done that we can't keep um we can't keep kind of playing that same card we need to we need to just kind of go for it and so you know this this book is is a right turn for us in terms of like the the treatment of 
of the actual characters and story because uh, it's just you know like like you said there's like justice league dark characters and this whole supernatural you know magical world but but even touching on that you were just talking about with joker um in this story it's like you know we, we you know we've all read batman comics where batman is always on top of his game he's always on top of everything he know you know he's already five steps ahead of the criminal most of the time right and this one's almost like batman's vulnerable because you know he sees him you know we, we open up to him having these wounds on his abdomen and then yeah and that's exactly wait. the point i mean that's exactly the point it's just to you know it's like oh, batman is like i've said this like a million times it, he almost feels like robocop to me now you know like where <laughs> you can you can hurt him, you know, that you, people love to show Batman getting beat up, but he, you don't really believe that he's, you know what I mean? There's something yeah. uh, superhuman about him at a certain point, even though he's supposed to be human. And so right away, we, we, we just, we just wanted to make sure that, that we tried to make him seem as vulnerable as we could, you know? Yeah. And that, that one scene when he breaks through that <clears throat> wooden barricade and then the smoke, you kind of see Joker's face in the smoke right before that tunnel. Oh, um, that was so good. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and uh, just for a little aside, fun note, um, I, think, I think you might be the first artist in Batman's almost 80-year history to draw his penis. I think. There it is. <laughs> 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 that, 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 that's going to be talked about a lot this coming week as well. You know, just fun facts and whatnot. People finally get to see what Batman's penis looks like. <laughs> I, really, I, really hope, I really hope not. <laughs> 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 you know so, how the world is. It's so secondary. To, I mean, like, I, I, you know, nah, I know, I've also kind of, I've already heard a little bit of that and I, and I, this might be the last time I even talk about it. I don't know, first and last time I even talk about it. But like it, because I almost feel like if I, if I continuously talk about it, I give it way more importance than it really, yeah. than it really is to have. But like, um, like part of uh, how do I say this without being really sounding very artsy fartsy? But uh, fuck it. I mean, I, I guess it just there's no way around around that. It's like I feel like there's an there's um. An, an aspect, two things. I feel like there's an aspect to art that that like you see nudity all the time. You know what I mean? And and there's part of this kind of uh, again humanity of Batman that you want to kind of get across in a different in a different way in this book and vulnerability of of Batman. And and I suppose there's a number of different ways you could do that. But one way to do that is to show him. You know, is to show him without the costume, 100% without the costume, and like. I feel like I didn't. I feel like I didn't, um, you know, sit there and labor over. <laughs> this isn't like Richard Corbin's Den or or Ranks Rocks. Like, <laughs> no, no, I, I totally get it. I I just I I just knew. I just you know what, how some other people would react. I would get it, but I get where you go in terms of oh, now that sure. Black Label has unshackled you. How would how, in reality how would it go down? Batman would crawl back to the cave or have an auto drive back to the cave he would just take his fucking suit off and limp naked to the back computer and that's how it would be and why would you have to restrict yourself from certain angles because a regular concept you know a regular publishing label to do that you know this this feels really grounded and um and you're right that that sense of vulnerability too is uh yeah a hundred percent i already read someone somewhere say um uh, a, a writer buddy of mine over the weekend, and I should never do this, and I should know better than to do this, but I did. He he was like, uh, "Don't go to Twitter right now, dude." And so, um, so I'm not on Twitter, so of course I went to Twitter, and <laughs> and and like and like an idiot looked at like that um, insanity. But like, yeah, a lot of people were kind of were were already talking about that particular that particular part of the book. Um, and it was just, it was just amazing to me. I, I, I was just like, wow, you know, this is out of everything that we do in that book. That's, that's really what people are going to talk about. Wait till they see like, all I, all I kept thinking is wait till they see the second issue. Aside from it, aside from it being an, an artistic standpoint, you know, like so many artists have spent years doing anatomy you know doing mm. nude studies and things like that i think it's also a cultural difference like you've been living over in in italy for yeah. years now 
Yeah. And it's uh, you know, other parts of the world are very different uh, in terms of sexuality and nudity than than North America is. So yeah. I, I think it's pretty expected that uh, North American audiences will talk about that aspect a lot more right. than right. internationally. It, it's a shame because on Instagram, I know a lot of um, fine artists and painters, and they're always posting uh, paintings and, and studies of the anatomy and breasts and genitalia. And Instagram always takes it down. And it is just so frustrating because in, in this side of the world, people just can't understand or appreciate the, the approach to... Um, to find art in the study of of the human figure and whatnot it's just it, the, you know the, it's, it's a bad word it's a bad thing or it's still like that so that's a real yeah. shame as well the funny thing to me was in, in that scene uh batman's getting his his vital signs from the suit or whatever and i was like wow this is the coolest thing ever like how has nobody done this before and then awesome. oh yeah there's a penis all right but yeah back to the suit <laughs> this is amazing mm. that's that's exactly how, how that scene should be read. You know? <laughs> yeah. Grumpler could do the audio book. <laughs> it, must, it must contain the line, oh, there's a penis. <laughs> you know, friends of mine have been like, well, what did you expect? And, and I, I mean, you know, I suppose, I suppose there's an element of that too where, you, you know, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're doing something that, um, uh, and I, honestly, I don't know has it if it's never been done before because I think Miller drew naked a shit ton in Dark Knight. Like, doesn't he walk down in the Batcave naked? I mean, I don't know if he yeah, ever. Yeah, but he, he don't. He don't got the. It did just his ass. He don't got the swinger hanging out though. You know, it's like right, yeah. right, right. <laughs> Doctor Manhattan. Dr. Yeah, no, yeah, that's Dr. the other point. Is like you know, and I, I, I guess it, it, it is what it is, but you know. Um, you know, pe- you know the yeah, the general yeah. Some people that can't read into that, they'll they'll get over. Then you know, just just one of those oh, things. But... Oh, totally. This ain't my first rodeo, guys. I remember when when the Joker uh, it was even before the Joker came out, and like when they first posted that picture of Ledger, people wanted to freaking kill me. Like, there was one dude on like I forget which forum. But um, it got pointed out to me, and someone was like, you, you should be careful, because some guy was, like, threatening violence. He was like, if I ever see him, I'm going to fucking break his legs or something like that. Like, he was, he was, so, he was so infuriated they, that he felt like they had taken inspiration from what I did and ruined his, like, his favorite character. And so I, <laughs> I, remember, I remember, like, my kind of taste of the Internet, um, of, uh, I guess what they call now, like, Toxic fandom, you know what I mean? But so, like, I feel like in this case, it's a much, <laughs> it's a much, uh, say, a t- not to use a, a bad pun, but it's a softer, <laughs> it's a softer, <laughs> it's a softer kind of experience this time around. Hey, you know what? I just, I, we gotta thank you for you. You made all of us know exactly what Selena Kyle feels like right now. So. Uh, aside from anything else, it also makes me realize that Batman wears on the same side as I do. <laughs> just to touch it, on this um in that scene um uh is that a new libramero bat suit because the abdomen points are a little different in that one is that a new design? yeah yeah we um we i, I wanted to redesign the the suit just because i felt like um noel yeah. you know there's yeah. like because there's there's a tendency now to, to call that the noel the noel suit you know yeah. it i actually used it in joker too <clears throat> uh, but yeah, it was just it, it was just, and I actually used it in, in um, Luther. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's it's just it was just a way of kind of visually saying, all right, well, um, this first one got thrashed, so you know, let's let's give him something, mm. something new, and and something that I wanted something that, you know, had a bit of chainmail and kind of um, went back to the whole medieval knight. Dan, because I have the uh, the Prime One Noel statue here, and I was like, I'm gonna start calling it the Batman Damn statue. I'm like, no, Lee just changed the suit, so you know, Prime well, Prime was gonna have to make a damn statue. Well, save your money. Oh, hey, congratulations by the way, because they did tease an image of your uh, the Libra Merho Joker Prime One statue about a week ago. I saw you posted it as well, so. Uh, Congrats yeah. for that, man! Oh, that reveal has a lot of people excited. That's gonna be. Uh... So, hey guys, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta jump off. Um, I mean, 
So I just wanted to say uh, thanks to Lee for jumping on with us. And uh, I hope you guys have a great show. Uh, And uh, for anyone listening to our podcast, uh, I think this book absolutely needs to, if you buy it in digital, I think you're doing yourself a disservice. Uh, Oh, absolutely. This book needs to be bought and, uh, you know, in hand, have in hand and, you know, read like six inches away from your face. Uh, (laughs) Lee did did a great job on the book. Well, some like parts a little closer. <laughs> That's coming from uh, the Grumpler, man. He, yeah. Thanks again, Lee. Not... Thank you. Thank you, man. I also noticed how on, on the far left in the back here with the three suits, I think it was, you did the, uh, I think it was the first appearance, right? Because I saw the round uh, buckle. Was that correct? Yeah. yeah. I, love, I love that Bob Kane. That oh, Bob. nice. Oh, yeah. That, that, yeah. That, um, you know, I like all the, the kind of looks. I even like the Adam West. Book, you know what I mean? Like I try to throw that in the case. I think I did it. In the yeah, book. I was, it looked yeah. like it to me too. I was like, did he just do Adam West? Holy shit! Yeah, I got, I got, I got love for all for all that stuff. I, I almost wanted to do the Michael Keaton bat suit because I mean, that was you know wow. I still I still think like one of the best. Um, you hear that, Tom? Yeah. Oh, I hear it. I'm clear. <laughs> <laughs> I, I read this is off topic, but I read something that I thought was absolutely brilliant, which was, and I don't know where it originated, but someone was like, "Why don't they do the Dark Knight Return returns with Michael Keaton?" And I'm like, oh, that would be, that would be amazing. That gets a lot of talk, and also uh, bringing Michael Keaton in for a Batman Beyond. Yeah, yeah. loving all these bat suits is really interesting because I think your bat suit, your design is like top five. Dead or alive, <laughs> you know, like just uh, um, oh, yeah. So that that's cool that you appreciate. Oh, but yeah, when I saw that first appearance in this, I was like, he's uh, pulling it all out. I wanted to rewind a bit. We talked about the visual storytelling, and uh, I was curious. Uh, some some writers give very detailed scripts. Like if you read an Alan Moore script, it goes panel by panel of exactly what he wants to see in each panel, and exactly describes in great detail how everything should be. Uh, how how much detail does Brian give for for a book like this? You know, does is it just his script and you you do the visual storytelling? Does he give any cues on that? Um, well, like I said, we did it Marvel style. So Brian wrote plots basically, and then when I finish the art, he writes all the dialogue and all the. Um, so none of that dialogue. No, I take that back. There's a few lines that include like important lines. Um, you know, like, like the smoke kind of disappearing, um, uh, you know, like into the tunnel, like he wrote that, like, I know what you did line. Um, so I knew there was kind of really important bits of dialogue were in there, but for the most part it was, it was a, it was a plot. Um, and, but Brian's always been really, really sparse with his scripts. Anybody who's ever worked with Brian will tell you the same thing. His script have very, his scripts have very little direction and very little description. It's all about the dialogue. And so his scripts are, are um, almost like, like uh, screenplays or, or a, a, you know, theater production. Like he leaves his artists a lot, a lot of, of freedom. And, and it's actually... Uh, it's actually pretty uncommon, uh, you know, the more I talk with other friends of mine um, who are working with different writers, some of them very, very big name guys, I don't really know anybody else who is sparse as, as Brian. And, and he's always been that way. Even even Luther and, and Joker, you know, those those scripts were really sparse, but, you know, everything is everything is there. And so I think that now that we've done four other projects together, you know, this being our fifth, I think he, you know, we've gotten up to a level level of comfort working together where he knows that, you know, I'm I can break down that page with as many or as few panels as I see fit, and and um, you know, it's 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 less important. I think at this point, the individual pieces. It's the what's really important is the, the is the overall tapestry, the the overarching story, and, and where these issues end and where the next ones begin. Brian's um, one of those few writers who really, I mean, he's just, uh, you know, I, I can't think of many guys working today whose dialogue I think is better than Brian. Brian's just, you know, he just has a way with words and, and um, he plays with language so much. And that's where I think he really has fun. 
is, is when he's, you know, afterwards when he's scripting, you know, I drew this whole book before I saw the dialogue. And when I got that first lettering proof of, uh, of the dialogue, it was awesome. It was like reading it for the first time, you know? You drew this whole book before any of the dialogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, Brian had some key moments of dialogue in the yeah. plot. It was a very complete plot in the sense that, like, you know, every scene was very, very well kind of breaking, broken down. You know, I, I knew exactly what was going on. Mm. And it's, but it wasn't the typical script where it's, you know, five panels or panel one. You know, it wasn't like that at all. Wow. And uh, for another quick side note, um, I'm a pretty big Zatanna fan. And with hmm. that said, I don't think a lot of artists get her right for some reason. I think she can be a little tricky sometimes, but... I love your Zatanna, man. Holy cow. I'm just really... I like um, Azarello's fit for her as a card shark as well. When she pulled out that Joker card, I was like, oh, shit. That's gorgeous, man. Yeah. I, I really love the way he's he's found a way to weave all these characters into the story in a really, in a really, really interesting way. And um, and they all kind of have their moment, which is as the story progresses, all these characters kind of get their little moment. Yeah. Even with... Uh, Enchantress, when she visits a young Bruce Wayne and holds up an actual bat in front of his chest. Right. Oh, man, this is just, <laughs> just so enjoyable to look at. I could see why people are really requesting um a letterless version of the book as well, just like those advanced copies. I hope they do that as well. I would definitely buy both yeah. versions. What's, what's awesome is that we get uh, review copies digitally, and uh, some of the iOS feature, if you save it, it saves it without the dialogue or the word bubbles. Yeah. Right. We can get just like the raw images, and um, yeah, doesn't it say like a the DC review copy font? The watermark. Yeah. Well, watermark. I mean, it somehow saves it without the watermark too. <laughs> so we're getting we're getting raw raw art when we when we get it on our iPhones, which mm. is uh, it's pretty awesome. That last panel is definitely gonna have a lot of people talking as well. Oh man. yeah. Woo! Oh, that's yeah. that's black label for you, man. That's uh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wait. Hey. We, <laughs> we, we talked about how uh, is is the uh, the paper that you draw on actually bigger? Uh, you know what? Okay, so um, the first twenty or so I forget exactly how many first twenty or so pages of this issue I did uh, regular format. I did them. Um, <laughs> they hadn't decided at that point that they wanted to make this these books bigger. So uh, I did them at just normal comic book size, and then the decision was made that these things, you know, uh, be in this kind of more magazine format. And so I actually digitally had to enhance all the first pages and change. I had to change some stuff around just to kind of make it not look like, I don't know, there's a big black bar on one side of the page or, you know, what I mean? something like that. So, uh, you know, I, I, I did, I started doing all these, this stuff, um, on regular, on regular comic board. And then, yeah, since it's kind of a combination of, of digital and, uh, and hand-drawn stuff, they, they finally did some boards, some art boards for this, which are gigantic. And, and it's like when you, um, when you have it sitting on the table, like I can't sit down and draw on it. I have to stand up and draw, and draw on it because it's, wow. like, it's just, it's massive, it's a massive art board. Um, and not, I'm not crazy about the paper to be to be honest it's not great for water it, it buckles and stuff when i um do the gray tone stuff on it but yeah it's 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 crazy i mean the the, the originals um the few that i've done on the on the artboard is are, are pretty big but yeah the uh for the for the most part my the stuff that um i'm doing on, the, on this book it's become as even as the book progresses it's become more and more um, necessary to do some of it digitally just because, I mean, that chain mail on Batman's armor, for example, like that, trying to do that by hand is, I mean, uh, you know, it's like, some, it's like some form of medieval torture. It's, it's just, it's so much easier to do it uh, digitally and, and you can kind of really get in there with a lot of like uh, super small detail that no one will probably ever see but you know i i just i i have fun that way so um you know it's, it's been kind of a, a a growing process this entire this entire project but just because it's it really is now kind of the, the style is almost going places where 
the originals by themselves look different than the final version because I'm going back on top of so much stuff. And like, there's, you know, there's a color, like, especially the coloring phase now it's, it's, um, you know, there's so much stuff being done even in the coloring phase that, that, uh, it's definitely been a kind of a, what's the word for it? A, um, evolution. Uh, DC, just give us the absolute don't even waste time. Just <laughs> big, for, big format. This is destined for it. Uh, we got the second part coming out. It's listed for November. And right. the third part, I'm guessing, is going to be in uh, 2019. Um, is, is it safe to say that it will be out like they're like in two, three month intervals? I'm not really sure what the. I know that was the plan, but there's also. Um, you know, since ours is the first book to be released, the the idea is also to, you know, start, I don't want to talk at a school here, but I, I think I should say the idea is to start releasing some of the other books, you know, if right. not, if not early next year, um, I don't think, I don't think any, anything came out. Has December solicitations haven't hit yet, have they? Robin? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think this is, uh, this is listed for anything yet. Mm. No, no, I, I didn't mean this one. I mean, I know the second book will come out at the end of November for sure. Um, yeah. And, and, uh, and then, um, yeah, and then, then I think the plan is to start also re- releasing some of these other yeah. these books like Frank and John's, um, which looks astounding. Oh, like, wow. It's just like very cool. The, um, uh, it was, I got to do some images <clears throat> in the DC office. Uh, this summer and it was just like whoa this is uh, it's the superman year one stuff yeah yeah it yeah. sounds it, awesome it's like it, it, yeah i can't really say much more because I, that's uh, that's not up to me but um Look, it's looking say, good though you would say huh? yeah I, I think it looks i think it looks really good and it's just you know again it's it's what black label what i think black label should be and you're you're getting these very very pure points of view for these for these characters so um yeah i mean i'm, I'm really looking forward to all of them i mean you know I've, every, almost everything that's being that's being done is, is something yeah. I'm super- that's where all the black labels where all the cool kids are right now uh, recently we had uh tim sale on last week and he said he wants to get on black label and work with tom king so it's it's like all these creative teams are forming to get on this label and, uh, and you're the one who set it off man so it's um it's a pretty yeah. high fucking bar <laughs> that you said. You, know? you, you basically said to the whole comic book industry, here, you're doing that's cute. Hold my beer. Let me yeah. show you this. <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, wait until you guys see some of this other stuff, man. I mean, uh, you know, not to, uh, and I mean, it's no attempt to be falsely modest or anything. It's just, you know, like Ramita Jr. has been, I mean, that guy's a master. And like, you know, the, uh, whether or not people, like his style aesthetically or not, I mean, the, the guy can just still tell a story like a motherfucker. I mean, he's just real. His storytelling is so good yeah. that when you look at those pages, there was no dialogue. There was like what you guys were saying about the um, the uncorrected proof of this book. All I, I saw like 20 pages of just art. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you just fall into it. I mean, it's he's just such a good storyteller. It, the guy did, you know, Man Without Fear. Just, just, you know, like if I, I, I got a chance to see some pencils for that a long time ago. Photocopies of um, old photocopies of pencils for that. Yeah, I mean, that, like that book had been printed just from the pencils. It would have just been, you know, wow, pretty, pretty mm-hmm. incredible. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm excited, and there's more stuff I know that they've got. This concern was always um, uh, creative teams rapping. Like I, I just get worried about waiting a really long like what happened with um master race and whatnot where they just kept expanding um the time period between issues black label is so new and how they're gonna just you know air traffic control all these different creative teams to release and whatnot that because the work is so good that i just worry about uh you know how long it might take to conclude yeah i think the point is is just that i think the point is that there's there should be some kind of black label content out there that by a certain point that should be fair to regular, you know what I mean? So there mm. should, there should hopefully the ball will be rolling and it will get to a point where one of these books is coming out every month, or, you know what I mean? Like that, mm. and that's not, that's not inside information. That's my yeah. own 
guess of what they of what they want to of what they want to do. Because I think that that part of that part of the the issue with these books really is is is, is like you know I, I think they want quality. You know what I mean? And so if that means that it can't be monthly or it can't be, you know what I mean? I, I think that they're they're gonna try to change a bit of that formula you know uh, really remains to be seen what what's the um expectation for you guys as far as i know that with black label it's kind of from what it seems at least some of the stories that are coming out or that have been solicited it's like an opportunity for the artist to tell stories that don't necessarily have to be tied down uh, to any continuity so it gives you uh, the freedom to explore a world that might not uh, be seen otherwise how much freedom in that sense are you guys getting with the storytelling um you know is it is it something that you guys are kind of just going with and they're checking in on you or are they kind of like over your shoulder a lot oh they're not over our shoulder at all i mean again that's kind of par for the course for brian and i i don't know if that's different it's true i don't know I if think that's different. you guys have proven you don't need uh, eyes over your shoulder so. well we have we have i mean mark mark doyle and will dennis are both are both editing this and, and they're both like extremely accomplished editors and and really i mean great at what they do and and we work with both of them for a long time so there's that too i mean there's an element of like this is kind of like the same group of people we've been working with since luther more or less you know so there's there's kind of this element there of um i think for for them it's more annoying than anything else because they, it's like, we talk about this project, things get underway and they're like, okay, we'll see you guys in a year and a half. Wow. <laughs> like it's, it's just takes a long time for this, for this, for me, um, to get, to get this stuff done. You know, it's like, wow. It's, uh, it's just, you know, years can go by. Yeah. But it's better. It's better to just give you the opportunity to take your time with it rather than trying to rush you. Cause you know, that's when, when you got the time to marinate in your juices, that's when you probably produce your best stuff rather than like, you know, trying to kill yourself over a deadline. Mm. I'm just not one of those guys that works, that works well like that. I just don't, you know, some guys are like, I produce it for me. The magic is when the pressure's on or for me, it's, you know, it's, yeah. Yeah. you know, I, I find the best solutions when I'm under pressure. Um, I, I find that for me, it's the opposite. It's like but the more stuff kind of, you know, the, I, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know any other way to do it it just it takes it takes the time it takes the time that it takes and unfortunately that doesn't make you know publisher uh, <laughs> very happy and and, yeah. and at the same time you have to really be dedicated to the thing that you're working on because when something takes a year or two to get kind of off the ground and get to the point where it can start coming out but, you know even people in DC, I mean, for a year, no one knew what I was working on. It's in San Diego two years ago, you know, one of the guys in DC was like, when are we going to get you back over here, man? And I was like, <laughs> I've been working for like months on a project for you guys. But you know, no one, mm. no one really, you're just that again, that's again, how we, how it worked on Joker and, um, and Luther. No one really had a vested interest in it because I mean, it wasn't part of the kind of continuity machine. You know what I mean? It was just, it was not something that needed to be, to fit a certain time slot and to support 15 other books that we're going to have to tie into it. It was just its own thing. And the benefits of that is that you can do more or less what you want. But the, you know, the other side, the other side of that is you're kind of out there on your own. You don't really have a lighthouse or anything to kind of keep you attached to land. You're just floating around. Mm. And, some guys, and some guys can can do that and some guys can't you know they mm -hmm. need to have that, that um they need to have that instant gratification or that connection to the larger machine uh i can't i can't stand the larger machine it's better for me to feel like i can kind of be out doing doing what i'm doing whether or not it's good or not is something else but it's just the way i like to work i want to personally thank you man for re-establishing why i love to run to the comic shop and pick up these books you know it's, just, it's stuff like this that just make it all worthwhile i mean you're like one of dc's nukes man poor marvel <laughs> <laughs> yeah Lee, my local comic shop is having a midnight release tonight for this book and uh i'm definitely going to be there at midnight to grab a couple copies awesome awesome Damn, they're doing a midnight launch i gotta ask that's crazy shop. that is cool yeah is that shop yeah, called was, quest uh, yeah yeah it was a, a last minute announcement uh that they were going to do uh 
allow midnight releases. Oh, oh damn. damn. That's, that's big. That's fitting, too, for this kind of book. <laughs> yeah, they, they yeah. want to get that Black Label buzz. Damn. That just BLB, long, if you would. They, they just, just as long as they don't sell it to kids. <laughs> <laughs> that will be interesting to see how that goes as well, far as, well, like... Well, how, how does it work if it has, like, a mature rating on it? So what's the age cutoff, like, for this book, if there is one? Is there, is, is, is there one? Like, how does that... I think it's technically just suggested for mature readers, but um, that's always been the case with DC, and, and it's, it, I mean, stores technically shouldn't sell, uh, I don't know, I think they kind of make their own rules yeah. in terms of each store kind of decides what they want to do, because I mean, when I was a kid, DC started the whole suggested for mature readers line, The Shadow, and Wasteland, and Blackhawk, and all those books that were coming out, and I bought all of them. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I, my store, my store actually sold me black kits by Howard Shaken. So there you go. I think I was fourteen. Yeah. Oh shit! That, that's that's a very adult book. I mean, right. Uh, <laughs> I will. Uh, I would be handling this one the same the same way I'll do. Not that it's as bad as uh, something like Walking Dead, uh, with everything that that goes on in those in the comics. It's much worse than the show. That's a really interesting conversation. What you just brought up is the fact that. What is more of a big deal for people? Violence? Because, I mean, I don't think there's... Is, in this issue, I, I forget what's in this issue. <laughs> um, I don't think there's any particular violence in this book. No. That's, that's, it's always really interesting to me what, um, what kind of push, pushes the button more. You know what I mean? Because, yeah, you have a book like Walking Dead where people are missing half their face. But um, I think that's a conversation people should be... Yeah, I mean, like, like approved by the comics code will come back. <laughs> yeah, uh, like Walking Dead, uh, because of the exposure of the TV show, you get a lot of kids walking into comic shops that that want to buy, you know, come up to the counter with the first Walking Dead trade paperback. And you know, if they're if they're under like fifteen, sixteen, I have to say, well, I I need you to come back with your parents if you want to buy this. Right. You know, early in the Walking Dead books, like they sort of they gloss over it in uh, in the TV version because you can't really show this. But the whole Michonne Governor thing, there's a scene where you see a guy with his dick nailed to the floor. Mm. <laughs> hey, well, they they sell you know they card legends for buying Jungle Fantasy comics, so you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's weird. It's it's really weird, man. Because I mean, again, you bring up a good point. It's like if they're there with their parents, you know, the parents should own. One deciding what they what they buy or, or, or don't buy, but but yeah, it's it, it. I I am very interested to see where all these kind of black label books fall. I have to imagine that there there will be other moments in in the line that will will push some buttons and, and we'll kind of see how it works out. As long as the point, like that's that's something that's kind of important. I feel like it's like the point is not to push buttons. The point is to try to figure out and like to try to figure out the story that you want to tell and then figure out what fits within that story and what kind of content and subject matter fit, fits within that story. So like, yeah, one of the things I was reading online, you know, like I said before, my friend pointed me to Twitter and someone was just like, oh, it seems like a stunt to sell more copies. I was just like, really? You think, you think that I'm like, you think that I'm drawing that scene because I think it's going to, sell more copies like that like just slapping a suggested for mature readers label on any book limits the amount of copies you sell so i mean you know if if our if our main goal here is to try to trick you into buying more book because of you know because of one scene like wow i mean you know at that point i i don't think it gives us as much credit for for the book that we you know for the book that we've done mm. love hate it it's like the scene certainly wasn't done to like sell more copies. That's that's for sure. Yeah, that's silly. I always knew it would go in this direction eventually. I always thought a mature rating for DC <clears throat> universe, especially for the Batman Gotham universe. I felt it was always inevitable. It just makes more sense, you know, gritty atmosphere of storytelling. You and because I think it has to be wildly successful because the majority of comic book consumers are adults. Am I right, Robin? 
Uh, yeah, for the most, like predominantly, uh, like a, a very high percent. Yeah, that's where all the money's coming from. So this is, I think this was just inevitable. This is something we want. The shackles are off and you could really let loose in terms of how these these environments and the storytelling within DC, you know, should be these mature themes. I think another part of it is just that at a certain point, you just want to be able to open the door up to different kinds of stories. And it doesn't necessarily mean that if there's, there's going to be violence or adult comment or content, so to speak. It could just be, you know, it's, it could just be a different point of view. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. Um, it, it could just be, you know, whatever. Someone could come in with a book that you could easily sell to a kid and it could be a black label book. I think that it doesn't necessarily mean that they have to be dark and yeah. gray. Something, something, you know what I mean? It's just a. It, I think it just speaks to. These are books that are our very specific point of view, done with finally with our major characters, and because in the past most of this kind of stuff has been limited to being, if not lesser characters, then kind of, you know, original things, and so they're finally saying, well, okay, well, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, we'll, we'll let people take a crack at some of these more major characters, um, because you, know, you just want to see new content yeah and when i first realized it should go in this direction with mature labeling the shackles off it was a little thing it was when i read <laughs> earth one i forgot which volume it was when croc was in but it was uh, batman earth one where batman's in the sewer and he confronts croc and croc croc just calls him an asshole right. it's just that one little thing but i'm like <laughs> that's exactly what would have went down in the sewers and Gotham, you know, as opposed, and you can't do that in a regular label. But that one little thing, it, it just, it just made everything feel a lot more real to me and authentic. Which that that one little thing, and that's where I think uh, black label will thrive. Is just little things like it feels more grounded, and, and it just makes for better storytelling. Really, you know, the characters can be themselves more. So, yeah. and I think I think it's uh, sort of the difference between watching a television show and watching uh, a film where when you watch something on tv you you're buying into these worlds uh, like if you're watching a sitcom whatever you're buying into these worlds where you, we don't notice it so much because it's so it's so normal for us we're, we're used to watching it but you're buying into these worlds where nobody ever swears in this world right and and yeah and no one is ever you know no one is ever naked in this world and or having Whereas sex in films, well, it, it you know? feels yeah, exactly. And when you watch when you watch a movie, you go to the theater, you put on uh, put on a movie. It it just it feels more natural when people are acting more natural and real world things are happening. So it makes sense that if you can have real world things occurring, even just little things, it it makes it feel more realistic yeah, it because sends the bolt it home. is more realistic. That's it's why almost... the Trunkler loves uh, movies where it shows characters on the can. <laughs> it's Absolutely. almost like the, uh, tv versus hbo it's why hbo shows are so highly successful is because they're bigger budget they have no limits no you know limits. they show nudity they show violence yeah. it's like the black labels the hbo of dc yeah like it shows the ugly parts like the the parts that are not supposed to be pretty and nice it shows the ugliness of the reality think about gotham on fox television or think about how gotham would have been on hbo you know? Oh my god! So it's like two different worlds. It would have been it would have been the wire with Batman. <laughs> black label, <laughs> black label, the HBO of comics. I love that. That's good. Now, that's the way uh, Brian you, describing it. Brian just says it's like it's like DC done by HBO. Now you mentioned uh, to me that there's uh, a part in book two that will have people talking, and I, I assume that that's more plot and story-based talking than just uh, something that's going to uh, surprise people to see? Um, I think it's both. I think it's, uh, I think it's both. And I think that, like, uh, this is a lot to ask of people, especially these days, with the amount of speed at which information travels. But, you know, it's, a, it's the second book in three. So um, what you see in this book has a direct effect on what you see in the third book or in the second book. And then the same goes for the second book. You know what I mean? So as the story comes together, moments that may seem, uh, 
kind of crazy. They're not being done just to kind of do them. Let's just say this. When the book, when, when all three books are out and when people have a chance to read this thing uh, in its entirety, I think there will be some slightly different interpretations of what is going, you know, than what is going on. And, and uh, that goes back to what I was saying before. It's like you can kind of do some stuff that in continuity you can't really, you can't really do. That's not strictly content-based. That's story-based. Well, Lee, we appreciate your time so much. Thank, thank you so much for talking with us today. We just want to say thank you for your hard work. Congratulations. Excellent way to set off the DC, the HBO of comics, now DC yeah. Black Label. What a dick for setting such a high bar, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, because... Uh, I'm see the other guy's stuff man it's like you know it's good it's all gonna be extremely high quality can't wait if there's anything close to this book man it's it's gonna be an amazing amazing label no. watch it guys thanks thanks for having me again all right comic book stack segment for the date of september 19th 2018 we're in the future uh batman number 55 Tom King, Tony Daniel. Did Mickey do the inks on this? Uh, yes. Oh, heavy hitter. Yeah, I like those mummies, man. <laughs> so, so what's going on in this issue, man? Um, this is a new arc, right? Battle for the Souls of Gotham, or is it a one, or is it a filler? I don't know. Uh, so, uh, this is a, a three-issue uh, arc. Three-issue, man. Look at that freaking variant cover by oh my god matina holy smokes man damn i don't know where he uh, where he pulls all this crap from but everything he does is so good I i'll be honest when i first saw this image before i even knew it was a variant for 55 that gargoyle with the red lines i was thinking of that old uh crossover between with batman and um death blow was it or mayo did the art yeah he did yeah on uh yeah art's great tyler tyler Durnham, Durnham's into the guy from uh Fight Club. Yeah, he pretty Tyler much drew, he pretty much drew that character in that book. It's kind of cool. Batman of Fifty Five. We got looks like some military slash ex military person coming into Gotham City internationally. If you heard, you know, these solicitations and all the news going around uh, before this issue hit, uh, you know, it was it was made quite public that uh, this story was a KG beast story. Oh, okay. And you have, uh, man, I like how King's going through all the freaking rogues gallery, man. Did King do hush yeah. yet? He didn't do hush yet, right? Like anything? No. Else? Okay. Not yet. So. No, 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 no. So we got, Dick no, we, we got, we got a little appearance of hush though in one of the wedding preludes. So that sort of gives a little nod to him. So maybe, uh, maybe it means we'll end up seeing him. Even, um, I'll be honest, even at the, I think it was issue one with David Finch on the art when uh, the passenger plane gets hit with that rocket and Batman's kind of riding the plane. Um, when it shows a shadowy figure standing there and next to him is a dead uh, Cobra agent. When I first saw that, I thought, this is Hush. Maybe it's this dude. Yeah, we never found out who that person was. We thought it was Watchmen related, but uh, but in this issue, you got Batman and Dick Grayson patrolling. Um, the uh, rooftops of Gotham, classic stuff. A lot of puns, because Tom King loves puns. Yeah, con continuing from the last issue, uh, which was sort of just an in-between story arcs thing, but it, uh, it examined the relationship between Bruce and Dick, and then this issue really continues that, you know, having Dick back in town. More of, uh, more of the old days. This person has a prosthetic arm, and uh, he goes to get a custom sniper rifle made while batman and dick grayson are battling zombies in gotham city i really that's cool stuff i like that i like mm -hmm. i like not zombies i say zombies mummies yeah, yeah mummies yeah they're referring to this new villain who are they referring to is that the the far the, uh, the the guy ghost, with the mummies the ghost pharaoh yeah or the phantom, phantom pharaoh yeah yeah that's and cool. uh we we should uh point out also what bats is wearing in this issue He's wearing like you know old school like hush style uh, hush era outfit. Oh yeah, he is. Oh, yeah, yeah. People are complaining about them getting rid of the rebirth outfit. They really liked it. Yeah, this whole even the way uh, Nightwing's running on the rooftops, it does have a hush feel to it. It's Tony Daniel. Tony Daniel's kind of like one of the students of Jim Lee as well, isn't he? Like with his art, give or take. I'd say that's fair. 
And we'll, oh, there, there, there's a cutscene to Alfred getting choked. Uh, no, it's not Alfred actually. That's uh, th this guy. You know. Who, you know is KG Beast, but uh, he just knocks on an apartment door. Oh shit! And That's then a... goes in and takes this guy out. Dude, that so looks... he's strategically <laughs> taking. Uh, he, he, he's selecting an apartment to place him where he wants to be for what he's there to do. Yeah. Nightwing kind of places a bet with Bruce about, hey, we're, let's both jump off this rooftop. The last person, you know, the first person to shoot their bat rope loses and you know obviously batman's like i'm not playing i'm not playing games that's a nice little art page where it shows you know batman you know they're, they're both fully extended batman's got his cape in his hands falling down through the city so there's some good art in here yeah absolutely so basically we've been cutting back and forth between scenes of the interaction between bruce and dick and uh, that's been interspliced with scenes of this uh, mysterious uh, paraplegic uh, entering this apartment murdering the occupant and then beginning to set up his sniper, his sniper rifle. As we see Bruce and Dick arrive on uh, the roof of the GCPD to meet with Gordon after seeing the signal lit. And uh, shit takes a turn there. Oh, uh, yeah. Dick continues uh, with his uh, cracking his jokes and everything. And Was Napkin Man a joke or is that a real... Was he joking around or was that a real character? Nah, I think he's just joking around. <laughs> yeah. Well, because um, uh, Commissioner Gordon's talking about an all-night hot dog place in Midtown. Patrons found a napkin on a table and then Dick's like, I knew it, Napkin Man. He's the worst. And basically there was a message on the napkin saying, quote, who's afraid of the Joker? And the question and Gordon saying, you know, the question mark was overly sized, kind of pointing towards one of Batman's, you know, oldest and infamous rogues, the Riddler. And then Batman kind of just says, oh, it's the <clears throat> it's the anniversary, the end of the war. I'm, ass I'm assuming it's the, the anniversary of the end of the uh, war, of when the war ended of the yeah, war of jokes and riddles. But uh, he mentions that. Uh, Joker and Riddler should both still be in Arkham, which we know they are, and they're there currently with Bane. And uh, that next page, though, that's, it's a really great splash page. A not-so-great thing happening in it is we just see Dick taking Damn. a bullet right to the dome. Damn. Yeah, Cult of the Bat's gonna love that. Not gonna be Cult of the Bat approved, though. Nope. <laughs> Cult of the Headshot. Not my fucking Nightwing. Actually, you know, we, we need to back up here. We need to edit out the dick grayson and i believe his new name is gonna be rich grayson oh <laughs> shit dear. a lot of dick talk this week that page right there i mean and i really i had no clue when like what robin was saying uh, the story cuts in from you know batman and nightwing interacting and then you see this guy with a missing arm or with a prosthetic arm you know uh, he like checks into a hotel or into an apartment and then batman and dick are talking and then you see this guy choking his neighbor or some shit, something in a rifle. I had no idea. Like, when I got that last page, seeing uh, Dick getting one in the head, I can't even express to words what I was thinking. I was just, I just sat there and stared at it like, holy shit. Yeah, this is a good issue. Of cool. I dig it. I, yeah. So that headshot and then the the issue ends where we see uh, the rifle being disassembled and put away while uh, Gordon is calling for uh, a medical team to the roof. I wonder if this is the same guy from uh, the, the first issue. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I always wondered who that guy, the sniper from the first issue was. But uh, we're like 55 issues in already. Damn. Tom King's going for 100. It's like Tom King, I mean, once with his writing in a way, for me, it's like, you know, he, he does something, he writes something, and it's a total twist. Like, for example, issue 50, where Holly uh, bends a knee to Bane. It's like, holy shit, you know, in my mind, it's like, what? Okay, man, that's it. Game over. Tom King's topped himself. And then you get to issue like this, where the second to last page is Dick catching one in the dome. It's like, fuck, like I, <clears throat> Tom King keeps on, you know, surprising me with the, his storytelling and his writing. Take us through Justice League. What number are we at this week? Uh, this is Justice League number eight. Uh, this is Scott Snyder's run of Justice League, but this is uh, another of the... Um, Legion of Doom issues. This is uh, Justice League 8, but retitled Legion of Doom, and this is written by James Tynan, and the art is Mikkel Janin. Uh, basically, in this issue, we get uh, a little look at the uh, a revamped origin story for Starman, who was introduced in the previous issue, and uh, after that, it cuts back to the Legion of Doom, 
in in their uh, headquarters. And basically everyone is pretty pissed off about what Lex is doing. And mm-hmm. we get a, a page of teases, just you know, their their comments about it. Even Joker isn't happy with, with who Lex has in their presence. And yeah. then we finally get the reveal and we see very securely chained up in a room is the <laughs> Batman who laughs. But uh, I mean, Janin just kills it on He looks so good in this book. Oh, yeah. Well, and to, while the rest of the rogues, you got Girl of God, Joker, and Sinestro. Like what Robin was saying, not happy with who Lex is actually going to go see. That's chained, that's captured in their, in their lair. And um, they just described there's like four or five security measures to, to stop this person or this being escaping like geothermal surroundings of the fortress and like a mystical protect like a mystical protection and it's like and like like see. how like how much you protect the trunk yeah <laughs> that trunk will guarantee boy yeah sir i mean yeah when when you see him i mean like robin said i mean he is totally chained up and Mikel Jan just knocks it out of the park with the art pick up with uh black manta and cheetah very clearly looking for someone and they managed to track him down. And within seconds, uh, after being given some uh, some upgrades by Lex, Cheetah takes out this individual just mm-hmm. you know, with, a, with a swipe. And then after that, it's revealed to us that uh, the man she just killed was Poseidon. And that the, the upgrade that Cheetah was given was um, her claws can severely hurt or even kill God or that my gods. So now she's. And it's kind of funny. And she's actually after after she attacks Poseidon, she's like, you know, talking to herself like, you know, she can't wait to be able to try these new abilities um, out on Wonder Woman. So that'll be a nice uh, confrontation right there. Uh, most of the rest of the issue is uh, Lex and the Batman who laughs uh, coming to an understanding that while they both have different goals in mind for themselves uh they can help each other achieve them and they basically make an agreement to not stand in each other's way of achieving what they're trying and we do get uh some cool shots of batman in uh, a pretty spiffy uh <laughs> wheelchair after he got smashed a couple issues ago well no. <clears throat> and they're talking about uh was it the totalitarian that now the justice league has obtained via yeah, heart uh, Batman who laughs kind of hints that uh, a person. Totality. Oh, oh sorry, sorry. Yeah, sorry, buddy. It's actually a person, not just an object of power. We get the reveal at the uh, final page uh, at the room where the League are keeping the totality. We see this individual, this female, the Batman who laughs referred to. Uh, we get just a, a quick peek at her. The other thing, uh, the other thing I did read this week uh, that I really enjoyed was Mister Miracle number eleven. Uh, yeah. So Tom King's Mitch Garrett's uh, second last issue of the twelve yeah. issue miniseries. I don't know. Uh, do, do you guys want me to spoil it for you? Are you gonna be reading stuff? No, I don't want. Actually, uh, I want to wait to to read that. Yeah. I've been I've been waiting for the trade for that. So. Uh... Okay, well, yeah. Mr. Miracle 11 is out, and it's serious shit, so I'm not going to spoil it because uh, these slowpokes here haven't read it, but uh, <laughs> def- definitely pick it up, and uh, yeah, the series is about to wrap up, and we're all going to be sorry it's gone. Yeah. So, Rob, like, like I told you, I'm, you know, I'm, unfortunately, I'm a little behind. I think I'm on issue four or five or six, somewhere right around there, but so far up to this point, how would you, would you highly recommend people going out to get issue one? Absolutely. I mean, uh, at this point, you, uh, you're going to have to pay over cover price for issue one. So you may want to just uh, wait for the trade paperback or, you know, they might even do a deluxe hardcover or something for this. But uh, it, it's not one to sleep on. Sounds good. Well, that's going to do it. This episode of Bat Force Radio. Be sure to subscribe to Bat Force Radio on iTunes and or SoundCloud. We are now ranked as the number one Batman podcast on iTunes. Thank you so much for everyone who tunes in constantly. We got a lot of stuff coming soon as well i mean just like machine gunning that shit out trunks wants to talk about it so um, <laughs> heavy hitters coming boy Some heavy hitters Booker. hey gotham dwellers make sure to stop everything right now and subscribe to bat force radio we can be found on itunes and soundcloud don't miss out guaranteed to satisfy all of your Batman and DC needs.